You're now listening to the Peach Pundit Podcast, where we are expressing our own personal opinions. These views may not reflect the opinions of those whom we may be professionally affiliated. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Peach Pundit Podcast. I am Jason Pye, joined by Scott and Buzz. Buzz, who is in the Imperial City this week. Welcome to town, Buzz. Yes, the hive of scum and villainy. And Scott down the Southland. Well, he was last week too. Am I the only one? Am I the only one who likes Washington D.C.? Like, <laughs> I, I know, I know, it's like a joke to say scum and villainy, and it's the swamp and whatever else. But like walking around that city and just recognizing that historic people have done historic things in these historic places. Like I just I'm slack jawed the entire time I'm up there, <laughs> especially with how fancy the homeless live. I, I saw a homeless tent <laughs> with a oh, with a guy who had a, a table with a tablecloth and a vase of flowers in the front of his tent set up near DuPont Circle. So like it's just an amazing place when when you think about it. <laughs> Am I the only one who feels that way? Well, no, let me let me hey, I'm I'm talking about the the stuff that the government does. Uh, yeah, as far as as history, yeah, I love I love DC. I love all the stuff. That's it's a lot of fun. Scott and I were but yeah. Scott and I were talking about this on Friday because we we finished our conference and we were driving back over to my office. I think Pennsylvania, no Constitution. And Scott's like, "Does this ever get old?" Like the the drive because like we're we're on Constitution heading towards the Capitol and straight down Constitution. You can see the Capitol off in the distance, and he. And I'm like, no, you know, it doesn't. My my drive, depending on the drive I take into work, I, if I take Constitution, I go past the White House, the Washington Monument, the Capitol Building, and the Supreme Court. If I take if I take Independence, I go past the Jefferson Memorial, the the Washington Monument, the um, the Capitol, and you know, it 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 never gets old, especially you know. And Scott and I were talking about this too. It's like you know, I don't have the education that a lot of my my colleagues have. And, you know, there is some theoretically on paper, you look at my credentials, maybe I shouldn't be there, but I am and I don't take it for granted. I love what I get to do for a living. So it's a lot of fun. But it, Scott, to, to your point, the city, I love the like, I like walking around downtown when I get when I have time to do it. It's, you know, but as Buzz said, it's politicians who make it terrible. Fair enough. We're ruining an awesome city. Yeah. So we <laughs> speaking of speaking of politicians, we have some some new polls to discuss, dive into sort of a, a unique episode for us. But the there have been polls that have come out. We, we're expecting this in the Senate race. So in just the past, I don't know, it seems like we've had like three or four polls in just the past two days, but we had, I guess it's three since the beginning of the week. So when we, la- when we last talked on Saturday, the last poll that had come out was the Fox 5 Advantage poll. And before that one was the Channel, the channel 11 WXIA poll. The, that poll had Warnock up by 12, the Fox 5 Insider Advantage had like three, but there are polls that have come out since then, at least three that I'm aware of. So you had one from The Hill and Emerson, which shows Warnock plus two, Quinnipiac, which has Warnock plus seven, and then Trafalgar Group, which has Warnock plus one. Now, before we go further, I'll note that Trafalgar is is considered a, a Republican firm, and you know I kind of take them the same, the, I give them the same treatment that are advantage, which is better than I get some you slides, which is to say I wrap it up a lot, and Saturday Advantage are typically Republican. 
Quinnipiac seems to have been all over the place. You guys might remember back in June, they had Warnock up 10 and then showed him up six in September. Now they're showing him up seven. And I think we've kind of considered them an outlier, but the Survey USA poll also, <laughs> at some point you kind of start liars, but maybe people are getting responses from different, different surveys. Polling companies are getting different responses for different people. But guys, let me get your take on the, the three-year at least three polls that we've seen come out in the past 48, 72 hours. Scott, you first. I, I just don't know how you get such disparate results by polling the same electorate. In you know, The methodologies here need to be examined a little bit deeper. When I look at the Quinnipiac poll and it has Abrams at 49 and Kemp at 50, well, okay, I mean, that's a believable result on election day for me. Like, I think that's plausible but then the uga poll that came out had kemp at 51 okay that's not much different but then it has abrams at 41 a 10 point lead for kemp so i i'm at a point now where it's like take these polls put them in a basket and send them down the river and let's just forget about it and then grab our popcorn on election night pop open a couple reformation brewery special beer of the day whatever maybe hammer and hank and just watch the results because I don't know what the heck's going to happen. I mean, I know it's yeah. the prediction episode, but gee whiz, based on this, I mean, it's all gut feel for me right now. No, and I'll be drinking yeah. Sweetwater IPA because of all the Georgia beer I have in my refrigerator. Buzz, let me let me get your take. Yeah, I, I was just glancing at the Real Clear Politics average, and they've essentially they're looking at the last four polls, which are the three that you mentioned that have come out in the last day or so, and then insider advantage and it uh, you, you see average all those together and it they've got warnock at 48.3 walker at 45 so warnock plus 3.3 and uh, you know all of you know all of them except you know numerous of these polls with the exception of quinnipiac and survey usa you know recently are all pretty much within the margin of error so i, I think yeah i mean i mean and, and Nobody's above 50%. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll get to predictions later, but it's kind of no matter what these polls are doing or saying, they're all seem to be pointing in one direction. Yeah. And I'll note and that's, yeah. Yeah. And I'll note runoff land. No, I know. <laughs> and, and, and I'll note that, that of the polls we've seen, and like, I'm not going to go through and count these individually, but I, you know, I see one, two, three, four, five, six that have since April. That have Warnock yeah. that have Warnock at or over fifty percent, and the most recent of mm -hmm. those are the Quinnipiac and WXIA. You know, everything else has has this thing going into a runoff. But at the same time, I actually don't predict that we're going to go to a runoff. But I mean, look, I can see because we're seeing this in other states too, where there is. I think we talked about this on Saturday when we did our podcast. <laughs> three days later, yeah. I normally do, but. You have Arizona, Pennsylvania, where there's going to be some ticket splitting. And whereas I don't think anybody thinks Mastriano has a shot in hell of becoming governor of Pennsylvania, but Oz certainly seems to be doing better than he had been. Whether he actually still has a shot at winning that, that race kind of remains to be seen, be seen. The polling, like not, not as bad as in Georgia, but certainly similar to it, has been sort of all. And then, of course, in, in Arizona, you know, Carrie Lake's going up against a, a very bad Democrat candidate. And Mark Kelly seems to be cruising the re-election, not by a large margin, but he seems to be cruising to re-election. 
So you could see ticket splitting in Arizona. You could see ticket splitting in Pennsylvania. That results in the ticket the ticket seats being sort of divvied up between Republicans and Democrats. And you could see the same thing in Georgia. I think what's what's amazing is means that some of the polls that have been taken after all of this stuff about you know maybe paying for abortions and stuff, and it's still a close race. <laughs> That, well, that's fascinating to me. So, well, Scott, we we talked about that on Saturday, and 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 I think you and I even talked about that some last week on on Thursday and Friday when we were in Wednesday, Thursday and Friday when we were catching up and 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 just chatting. You know that it, I mean, it was Dana Lash who said he could abort baby eagles, and he you know she wants control of the Senate, and you know there's uh, I, you know it, so if this race comes, if Quinnipiac ultimately winds up being wrong. And Warnock this thing, or you know, Warnock wins this thing, or Hurt Walker wins this thing. Literally, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. Well, that's why I wasn't. That's why I wasn't super depressed about the story when it broke about the abortion. You know, it, Buzz and I both were quoted in the same NBC News article. The same reporter called us both for reaction, and my reaction was 100% fresh because I hadn't read the story. Well, that day one of the local Atlanta reporters had pinged me with the story to put it on my radar, but I had not heard of his son's Twitter reaction. And he read that to me on the phone. That was the first time I'd ever heard those words. And I said, you know, it might make a difference for a, a certain subsection of the, the, the electorate, but people are paying too much for gas. They're paying too much for their groceries. They're paying too much for everything. <laughs> and that's, what's going to be weighing on people's minds right now. The R, the D next to their name, symbolize difference in policies. And what they're seeing under the national policies under the D is a set of things that make life more expensive and more burdensome for them. And so they're not going to turn away from Herschel Walker because of something he did over a decade ago. And I, I thought it would hurt him a little bit. I didn't think it would hurt him very bad. And it looks like in the polls... You know, not to toot my own horn. It's not what that's about. It, it it looks like I was right though, because because the economy is in such a state where where it is, and we're we're living under these policies. That's what's most important. It's like the AJC goes to this exercise where they break down every individual issue, and they're like, well, you know, people support ballot drop boxes by two thirds, but that's not the most important thing to them, right? You know, yeah. gambling, not the most important issue to them. How much am I paying for bacon, Greg Bluestein? That's the most important issue to me. How much is my grocery bill? A lot. Why has it gone from 450 to $500 a month to $700 a month in two years? Like, why is that happening no, to my went, family? It's, it's crazy. I went to the grocery store yesterday, yesterday night and spent $177. I didn't get that much. Like... You know, right. I, didn't, I, I didn't get that much. Right. And look, you know, I mean, even, yeah. you know, even, even, and like, I've always, I'd be, I, that's why, you know, we come on here and we talk about politics, we prog, we, we prog about what's going on. We offer some solutions the, at the end of the day. Like that's when, I mean, let me give you, I was writing earlier and I was, <clears throat> I was talking about modern monetary and, you know, modern monetary theory isn't, isn't as simple as just the government printing money. Obviously it's, it's predominantly fiscal policy and, and, and you're supposed to offset the, the theory is that you can print money and you offset and control, control inflation by increases in taxes. Now we we've had an experiment with that before it was in the 1950s. It is 
but I'm sitting here looking at this and saying, like, well, you know, we've we've tinkered with modern monetary theory, at least one one big element of it in the past two or three years, and it hasn't really worked out that well for us. Yeah. You know, and but right. the one the one thing but the one thing I will remind people of, and yes, Joe Biden and his administration, congressional Democrats, their fiscal policies suck through and through. But this did not start under Biden. Right. He continued it. But it did not start under Biden. Republican voters had the chance to vote for somebody without this baggage during the primary. And those of us who voted for somebody else, we lost. And we lost that debate. So it's about something else now. And so we have to support the guy that's going to give us the best policies. But with Walker, with Walker, I think dinner table issues are the ones that voters care about the most. I don't disagree yeah, right. with that. That said, I do think that this will cost Walker and Republicans the seat and ultimately the Senate. Well, we'll see. What, it, it, when we get to predictions, I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> Speaking of Bacon, Scott, did you uh, did you take a look at the article I sent you last night about the Supreme Court case that could have <laughs> an impact on bacon prices? Yes. It's freaking California destroying everything, including <laughs> the breakfast table. I mean, gee whiz. Ruining everything. Just, how can you overregulate something so bad that you raise the prices of bacon and, and then expect you're going to have some sort of presidential campaign, Gavin Newsom, if you're listening, just just go away. Go away. I don't want to see uh, yes. Well, this episode has mentioned in is large in buzz has mentioned is largely about predictions and the upcoming election. And I'm going to start with some top line national stuff first, because Scott didn't think to put this on the agenda, but I'm going to. So my first my, <laughs> my first question, this is this is moderator's privilege. And also because I, I am wearing a T-shirt, not that I noticed. So let me ask you, here are my, here are my, here are my questions. And I try to keep track of them, guys. Who wins control of the House? What is the margin in the House? You can either give me the number of seats that the majority party will have, or you can say two tw- and who will win control of the Senate and how close will the margins be? Buzz, I'm going to go with you first. Okay, so this is just totally off the top of my head. I think I think Republicans are going to win the House. They're going to pick up thirty seats, and uh, you know what that turns into. That's, you know, I, I don't know, but I guess a, a slight, a you know, a decent size majority for McCarthy it gives him a little wiggle room. Hopefully, what he'll do then is ignore Marjorie Taylor Greene and tell her to go pound sand. All right, so but be- I, I'm not holding my breath. Before we get to your Senate pick, let me just say uh, you're saying net 30 seats. So that would mean they have a they would have 242 coming in. You're predicting a, a majority that large? Yeah. Okay. So what's that, a 14 point majority, something like okay. that? Okay. And what about your your prediction for the Senate? Yeah, I think I think they're going to win the Senate. I think it's got. I, I think uh, they kind of breaking Republicans' way in a couple places unexpectedly. I, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say that they they snatch the Senate too. It's 51-49 Republicans okay. in the Senate. Okay. Pure flip. I think you'll have 22 Republicans and 212 Democrats. A lot less optimistic than Buzz. You're short one. Am I? Yeah. Two, there are 223 yeah. Republicans. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. A 50-50 split Democrats hold. <laughs> the Clubber Lang prediction, huh? Just pain. <laughs> Oddly enough, Scott, our, our, yeah. our, on the House side, I've got five Republicans who... 110 Democrat, then so McCarthy, Apple, but the honeymoon. I, yeah, 
I forgot the one where Sarah is running up in Alaska. I think she'll probably pull that out. Some tweaks to the way she's campaigning up there. My, the last thing I had seen out of that race, by was that Begich had actually overtaken Palin and was well. And, and, <laughs> and on the and on the Senate, I have a I have a fifty fifty split as well. So power, and we are all right. So let's go with top. So let's go with top of the ticket. Warnock. I'll, I will go first. I predict I predict no runoff, and I predict Warnock very, very, very narrowly inches this one out. Well, give me Buzz real percentages. Thing. Real percentages. Real percentages. Fifty-one high fifty percent, so fifty point eight. <laughs> Walker to Walker at forty-seven, and Chase Oliver gets the rest. Buzz. <laughs> okay. All right. On election day. Going to be Warnock 49, Walker 45, Chase Oliver 6. Holy smokes. Holy Walker smokes. Wins, Walker wins in a runoff 50.5 to 49.5. Okay. Okay. Specific- I, I pretty run off. I, you know, my, my goal in, in making this agenda was what happens on election night. I mean, it's a long time till till January for that runoff. Well, that runoff so, would be this well, idea, no, because. Well, Yep. December 6th. Yeah, that's right. Because shortened it because of it, SB202. Got you. Okay. So here's here's my prediction. Warnock at 49.8 and <laughs> a whole bunch of people screaming voter suppression. Uh, 47.2 and Chase Oliver at three, which I thought was incredibly generous. Uh, I have him <laughs> as the second highest libertarian vote getter in, in this round. Uh, Republican, uh, libertarians get between one and two points in Georgia. So I thought I was being generous, but Buzz, you're coming in at six. Do you think, you think that's the abortion <laughs> story pushing Republicans to go vote libertarian? Yes, I, I do. Yeah. And I think it's, it's mm. there, there's more people who really aren't sold on either one of these guys. And so what do you do? Well, there's Chase Oliver sitting there. That, that it's, you it's, think it's, it's uh, the one thing I will say, yeah, the one thing I will say about points. Sure. He's been polling higher, right? And the, and the ones that include him. I, look, I, he's, he's polled close to that high, and then the story breaks. I, look, so. I don't I don't take much – whatever – libertarians always poll high at the outset up until, like, the sure. end of September. Yeah, kind of a, and then right. it starts to they're win. They're kind of a repository, another undecided category, right? Right. But the, the, the one thing I'll say is if this race goes to a runoff, Walker does win. I think that's oh, – I, yeah, I think you, it's going to a runoff. It's it's totally totally different than it was two years ago, right? You don't you're not going to have Donald Trump running around and all his minions and Lynn Wood, all these knuckleheads running around telling people not to vote. And and it could come down, as you said, Jason, to this this is the deciding, you know, this is that thing that makes my prediction come true. Where it's fifty one forty nine Republicans, or y'all are right, and it's fifty fifty. This this could be the seat where this happens, right? No, this this I mean. The way the way I I wrote a memo for for a for a donor not too long ago and and I was saying that the ma- the majority Georgia is the difference between a split Senate and a fifty one seat Republican Senate. Mm-hmm. So you know if we come out of this if we come if we look at this thing come December sixth I fully expect it to be forty nine seats for the Democrats fifty for the Republicans and this is the deciding seat. Yeah. So, so I, I've been, you know, weeks, or of course, I'm here in Washington now. Weeks ago was the State Policy Network Conference in Atlanta. 
couple of weeks before that was Alec in Atlanta. And so we're talking to lots of politicos country the last month or so. This race comes up a lot, mm-hmm. right? And so my my standard line has kind of been, hey, look, you know, I'm sorry, but once again, the fate of the free world hangs in the balance. In here in Georgia, we're the ones who are going to decide the fate of the universe. Sorry, this is what's happened. This is what's happened. This is where America is right now, yeah. and it's all up to us in Georgia <laughs> to decide uh, whether we live, whether we as a human species live or, or die. So yeah, no. here we go again, Scott. Before we, before I go on to the next race, you got anything else you want to add? No, I think that wraps up that one. Okay. So the next one, getting into the state national officers, we've got Brian. I have Kemp as my second highest Republican statewide vote getter in my coming in at 53.2%, Abrams at 46.1%, and Shane Hazel at 0.7%. The piece from the last time, this is obviously round two, Kemp versus Abrams. So uh, last time he got a little over 50%. So I think he increases his margin of victory this time around. Buzz? Okay. I, I forgot to mention on the last round with election forecasting, some mathematical stuff. I found a paper that outlined uh, taking into account the popularity of the president and what, how Repu- how Democrats have performed in this state in previous years. And I, 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 I don't know that my math is 100% right, so I'm not publishing any of this, but my forecast, 53% chance of winning. So that's, that's where I'm the Senate. On the Senate, on the on the governor's race, though, my forecast gives Kemp a seventy three percent chance to win. So I, I think this is I think this race is not going to be close. It's going to be I've got Kemp at fifty four, Abrams at forty four, and Shane Hazel at two. Mostly because I think higher Scott than Scott suggests because the ultra MAGA people like Debbie Dooley are are all going to rally around, throw away. Uh, they're still bent on revenge, so that's going to bump Hazel's number up a little. <laughs> I think we're talking about like <laughs> we are fractions. Fra- I'm sure. I'm sure. Shane, I'm sure Brian Kemp will miss. But well, Scott, your you, Scott, your emails said be specific, so I'm being as specific as I can. I, you know, well, I, I said I point didn't, seven I, for Shane Hazel. <laughs> so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be super specific here. I'm on a round. I'm gonna say fifty four percent for Kemp. I'm gonna say. 40, 45% for Abrams and then Hazel, who I hope gets five votes. He gets the rest. <laughs> well, we know he's going to get his vote. His, I'm assuming he's his wife's vote and, and Debbie Dooley's vote. So he's going to get at least three right there. <laughs> I know. I just it's like I, you put him at one. Yeah, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> so Burt Jones and Charlie Bailey. Bailey, this is the, the governor. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not doing percentages on or, or percentages on these because I have no idea what to expect. I will tell you, I will tell you this. Come on. I will tell you this. Make it up like the rest of us. I will tell you this. I expect a clean sweep Republicans on ticket. And the reason I expect a clean sweep, sweep down ticket is because if Kemp's polling, he's probably going to carry, yeah. carry the rest of the ticket. And, and you know. Right the tide. Yeah. He's going to carry the rest of the ticket. So I expect these, the rest of Republicans on here to get anywhere 5%. Probably on so wow. and I, actually I, I I can I can expect Raffensperger I, you know I, I think the further down the ticket you go the less people care so I wouldn't be surprised to see even some of these but I you know Burr Jones will be Charlie Bailey I will say Buzz all right I've, I've got it I'm, I'm I've got Jones a little lower than others he's 
you know, because he's been in the news, Fonnie Willis is after him and all this sort of stuff. I think it's going to drive away a few, not many. He's still going to win comfortably. I got a, I got 52, 45, and, and three for the Libertarian. And the Libertarian, there's a, the repository of some of those uh, voters who are a little upset with, who might not be comfortable with Burt because of his involvement in all of that stuff. I actually do. So that's what I got. I do. 45. Say that again. 52 for 52, Jones? Sorry, yeah, 52, 45, and 3. And I expect Ryan okay. to do to do better than than other libertarians on the ballot. And I think that, yeah. that's going to be true as you go down the list of He's a good he's a good spokesman for the libertarian cause and uh, Yeah. Scott, I have Jones at 48.5, I have Bailey oh, wow. at 48.3, and I have Graham Ooh. at 3.2 with a runoff in that race. Ooh. And uh, for a lot of the same reasons that Buzz just mentioned, is the the uh, stop the deal stigma that's going to surround Burt for a while until he cleans that up. I, I think it will turn off a considerable number of Republicans. A couple points, right? But in a race that's this tight, that's all that you need to do to drive voters away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very and, and towards the Libertarian, I, I I think that Bailey will outperform Abrams, I think, Jones to make this let me let me add. yeah I, I i toyed around with that scott i decided against it just because the only poll that we've seen on this race you know this is what a month ago or six weeks you know four or five weeks ago now the ajc did it had had jones up 10 and so i think it's a lot of ground to make up to get on to avoid a runoff i mean to to, to get into a run i i anyway the uga poll to today right. had had him up by more uh, okay. Yeah, by four right. or five. Yeah. So let me let me ask you. I am I am not seeing any ads from Charlie Bailey. And granted, the only the only thing I watch, other than sports and re or watching the West Wing on the HBO Max, is CNN. But I see all the ads on CNN. It's like a barrage of ad, of of you know Senate leadership. See, Bernock ads seen some kemp ads seen some abramabs not haven't seen that many recently though but i have not seen hardly any charlie bailey ads i've seen some burt jones ones so and like i said when i say i watch cnn i, I don't sit there and like this is not me during the day sitting there with my eyes glued to cnn but i keep it on i i i don't see it going to a runoff well the, the reason why is every poll that has been done he's not close to getting 50 percent He's not. Yeah. I mean, there there yeah. are a lot of undecideds in these polls. The UGA poll that was put out today showed Jones th at 44 and Bailey at 39 with 14 percent undecided. Yeah. At this, you know, we're 26 days away from Election Day as we sit uh, and have this conversation. That's that's a lot of ground to make up to get over 50, I think, yeah. uh, using the same logic the buzz has laid out. I think it's a lot of ground to cover. And there hasn't been a lot of activity out of either of those campaigns, frankly. Yeah. Along Brad Raffensperger and when Raffensperger wins. And I think Raffensperger is going to do the best out of all, all the statewide Republicans. I mean, I, I, I would not put 58% out of the question for him. Uh, Scott? I agree with you. I have him at 58.5%. And the reason is because he did not commit treason. And he, he is a good guy. All I've ever done is call him insurrectionist. I never said he committed treason. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's been B-Win and Stacey Abrams' attack on both Raffensperger and Kemp. Just because they didn't commit treason doesn't mean they're good guys. And it's just a ridiculous <laughs> argument. And I think 
I think of all the candidates who have just failed to lay a finger on the Republican challenger, it is B. Win has her campaign has flailed. She has made up some ground with undecideds, but at this point, she's really far behind. She had a 20% deficit before. She's at a 15% deficit with four weeks to go. There's no way, there's no way she's that 100% of the, the undecideds are breaking her way, and Raffensperger's going to handle this very well. And, and it should be a case study, frankly, for nominating Republican candidates who don't have personal baggage and also do the job the way the job's supposed to be done. You know, pay attention, future Republican voters. Pay attention. I mean, there's something to be said for the way he handled himself during the primary. And, you know, we I think the three of us each had written him off and said there's no way he's going to win. And he did. Yeah. And he did it the old fashioned way. So I have. Right. And I have B. Win coming in at 40.5. And our friend Ted Metz, God bless him, the perennial libertarian candidate at one point, which is better than his gubernatorial race from four years ago where he did not crack one. To you guys, I got I got a fifty-seven to forty-two to one. Okay. All right. Moving uh, Carr and Jor- Jordan. Is it Jordan or Jordan? I, I this this Jordan. This it's spelled Jordan. Yes, but she she wants it pronounced as if it were a U. Jordan. Oh my god. Versus Jen Jordan. Jordan. I I'm gonna go fifty-five. There's not a libertarian in this race, is there? There is. There, there is. is somebody named Cohen. Yes. Oh, Marty Cap. <laughs> this this is a guy who convention earlier this year told me that the January sixth insurrection was was an inside job. Yeah. So that well, that's what the Democrats are trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that's what the media is trying to say, Jason. When I, I mean, when I say an inside job, that that he 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 he. I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he basically suggested that the FBI did it. So, yeah. But, so you watch this Tucker Carlton, I guess. Huh? Apparently. There's this libertarian or, infatuation. Or Thomas infatuation. Massey. So on this five, Scott. Okay. I, I am, I'm a little off from these numbers from you, Jason, uh, primarily because of all the candidates that are making hay out of the abortion issue. I think Jen Jordan is the one that has been most effective in her messaging, even if I completely and totally disagree with it. She has said things like, I won't enforce that law. Would just it, it doesn't mean the law wouldn't be enforced. It would just mean that the state would hire a separate attorney and outside counsel than her to defend right. the state, because that's her yeah. job is, is to defend the state and, and lawsuits. So I have Chris Carr, who I think is, uh, has done an excellent job, at 51.5. I have Jordan at 47.6 and Cowan at 0. 0.9. All right. Buzz. I got 50, 54, 45, and 1 for Chris Carr. Okay. Okay. All right. Going on to Bruce Thompson, and I don't know who the Democrat is at all. Actually, the next three races, I know nothing about the Democrats. What, William Bodie? Oh, yeah, Bodie. William yeah. Bodie. This is the and, smart and guy. Anderson yeah. is the Libertarian. Okay. Anderson Go ahead, Scott. Give me, give me your – I'm pulling it I, up right now because I actually don't know. And I realize just now that I need to have these guys' full, full names. So, Scott, you first. Sure. I have Thompson at 51, 8.2, and Anderson, the Libertarian, at 0.8. Buzz. I got a 54, 45, and 1. Okay. 52, 47, and 1. 
Yeah. Uh, then we, we're, I mean, there's a pretty rate. good range between the three of us, right? I mean, the, yeah, like the, yeah. the, these down ticket races tend to be sort of the barometer for how far purple or how far blue in some, in yeah. some cases, you know, has the state actually flipped according to the Bluestein definition of flipped. And what I'm yes. hearing from the two of you, and obviously we do a conservative style podcast on a weekly basis where we're paying attention to the news but also trying to keep our finger on the pulse of what the how the electorate is feeling at the same time what the the pattern that we're seeing here especially jason i'm shocked he hasn't called a runoff in any of these at all and he's the libertarian guy who doesn't play for either team as he likes to say i'm no longer a party member i'm no longer a party member right the the free agent jason state agriculture commissioner so that's tyler harper Tyler Harper, Nikita Hemingway, and then there's a, a libertarian, libertarian David Routabout, who's apparently also a American activist. So, Whoa. Buzz, you you forty four and one for Tyler Harper. Okay, Scott, I got Harper at forty three. Three. That was. Whew, I have him at fifty three. Sorry, Tyler. Fifty three for Tyler Harper. Forty six for Hemingway, and one for the Libertarian. Uh, I actually got to agree with one because. Tyler Harper's a, a a newer name. I don't. The Libertarian is effectively running a protest, maybe not protest, paper campaign. So they expect much in terms of deviation here. So I'm not actually gonna. That's that's just me though. Next one we've got. <laughs> <laughs> next we got State Insurance Commissioner, this John King, Janice Laws Robinson. There is no Libertarian. I will right. I will go first. Scott. I have fifty one forty nine. Buzz. Wow. I got fifty six forty four. Wow! I think John King. John King's been pretty visible. He's a lot of using his military training. Has been involved in a lot of disaster across the country, and that's got him some good press. And he, he's very. He's, he's of course the only Hispanic statewide officer, and that's gonna that's gonna count for a couple for a little bit. Okay, I tell you, no, I hadn't. Taking that into consideration, you might be right, but I'm gonna stick next to my 5149 just because of it's a low, 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 much lower on the ballot down race, and yeah. I, I just don't see a lot out of them campaign wise. And I, I do think that the D next to the R is worth something here if you're not named Stacey Abrams. <laughs> I say this in jest, <laughs> but I will personally write a check to whatever candidate. Uh, promises to make state insurance commission, uh, state insurance licensure exams on a five-year basis instead of uh, every other year. These things are a pain in the ass. They're so stupid. <laughs> I used to have to do them because, like, that was my that was my first career was the insurance industry. I was I was licensed. I remember that. I was licensed in the yep. state of Georgia, and I, it used to be every year under Oxendine, you had to do your condition. Then Jens came in. He made it an every other year thing, and and. That's the way it is. I really want to see that go. Like, like half a decade. Like, okay, you know what you can't do. Right? State school superintendent, also no libertarian running in this race. It's Richard Woods versus Alicia Thomas Searcy, formerly Alicia Thomas Morgan. And I'm going to take a point of personal privilege and, and just say that I wish Alicia Thomas Searcy race. And I'm not, that's the closest you'll hear endorsement. And the reason the reason I say that is because she is an advocate for school choice. She's an honest, honest. But unfortunately, I don't think she's going to break 48 so percent. Buzz. Well, I'm going to go ahead and be bold here and say that Alicia wins this 50.1 to 49.9. Wow. Wow. That is a bold prediction. Scott. I, I think that 
the points that both of you have made here about the school choice issue is going to drive a lot of votes towards her. I, it is a popular issue amongst many different demographics. And Richard Woods has certainly fallen down on trying to appeal to those voters and empowering parents in that way. But I don't have have Richard Woods coming in at 50.5, which is my slimmest margin of winning without a runoff, and Searcy at 49.5. With the Searcy campaign has been that we know that she's school choice because we pay attention. And we also, Buzz and I, had served with her while she was in the House and saw her take bold stances on behalf of parents and making sure they were had their options maximized while she was in the legislature. And we also saw her take arrows for that. But that story is something that we know because we were the insiders. I don't know that she's done a good job of telling people that that's the differentiator between her and Richard Woods. You know, she, she hasn't had the resources. She's been shunned by her own party. I think she represents her party's best chance of actually winning an election for the next four years at, at the constitutional state, le- state officer level. But the Democrats are missing a major opportunity to get behind her on this because they are so opposed to her stance on school choice. She really, she really differentiates herself from the party rank and file, especially at the elite leadership level within the state Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, that's that's it for the statewide institutional offices. Do you guys have any other predictions for? Milk's absolutely going to roll this guy Daza, who's running against him sort of infamously here in Woodstock, promoted a drag show, uh, video game arcade in downtown Woodstock. So uh, talk about not knowing your marketplace and where you represent, but going on Twitter and saying, hey, they say you have to meet young people where they are, so this is where I'm going to be, and bringing attention to a a drag show in Cherokee County, which is 75% Republican, and two of the largest churches in the state are here. Good luck with that, bud. Good luck. Is there some epidemic of drag shows that I don't know about? I, 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 I mean, if, I mean, if you look if, at Twitter, there's one. Is it, there's one happening every day? Something. Is there an epidemic if of you drag had, queens? Am I supposed to look out my window and see drag queens coming down the street? No offense, Scott. This is an I, This is this is aimed at the the reactionaries in the conservative movement. Well, I if. I, you recall, Jason and I had this conversation while I was in D.C. about, man, why are, is everybody talking about freaking drag shows? On my way back to Atlanta, I get pinged saying, hey, hey, did you see this? And it's a drag show that's three miles from my house. Like, that's never happened before. Like, so I, I guess it's not an epidemic, but gee whiz, it sure did hit, hit close to home this time, maybe? I, I, love, look. I, love how, I love how we talk about, you talk about a drag show like it's an earthquake, man, you know? Don't know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we don't get them around here often, but it's, when they come. Look, <laughs> look, I, I hope the people who the, went uh, had fun. Scale. You know, I hope the people who went had fun, but I mean, that just doesn't happen in this community. It is, it's shocking because it, it just doesn't happen here. And, and not because I think it's wrong or it's or gross or whatever. I, I have, I have friends from high school who that's their lifestyle now. And, and I, you know, I'm a Gen X guy, so I'm, I'm pretty open-minded, but it is shocking when you live in a community like this. And that is something that is pops up. And becomes a, a local phenomenon. It's like, you know, I I have the right to be shocked by it. You know, I don't. I'm not going to condemn it. I'm not going to tell people they shouldn't go. But I do think it's peak 2022, 
when a congressional candidate for Georgia's 11th congressional district promotes a drag show <laughs> on Twitter. Like, that's peak 2022, and a, buddy. And, in a solidly Republican <laughs> district, no less. No, and, and, yeah. and, and just as a note real fast, I, I, will, I will note, uh, Buzz, I don't know, when did you get to D.C.? Did you feel the earthquake? I did not. There was a no. there was a 2.0 scale earthquake in central Maryland that was apparently felt as far oh. as far south at least as far as I've seen in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is just outside of DC. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of earthquakes. Slept right through it. Yeah. No. But you through the drag show. Not, <laughs> yeah. No. But the, the music might have been too loud anyway. I don't know that I that's I, conducive to sleep. I'll say this about drag shows: like I don't like them, but I don't care. I don't care, and I'm you. Know, I. I I don't want to spend much more time on this because I have one more prediction that I think is vitally important. But, you know, Republicans ran Glenn Youngkin won in Virginia on a parent's right to decide how their child was going to be educated. And now I've heard of legislative proposals in Arizona, Florida. I know that there are other states. I wouldn't be surprised if one was coming to Georgia to criminalize the some like criminalize put put charges place charges on someone who wants to take their child so we can we can say yes you can decide how you want to educate your child but if you take your child to a drag show we're going to put criminal we're going to make you a criminal how does that how do those two things jive together guys i need you to explain it to me and <laughs> feel free well i i i think you're you're comparing apples and oranges you know it's it's not a fair comparison because school choice is about educating the child so they can become productive members of society. The other is about an entertainment aspect. So, but criminalizing it, yeah, I, I, I would be with you on that, but I see those yeah. as two separate things. I don't think kids belong in drag shows. I don't think kids belong shows. in drag shows either. But my point, that's yeah. not my right. point. My point is, my point is the ultimate authority as long as that child is not being physically abused or even mentally abused. And I say that as someone who did go through that, and even, even that's, you know, I would say arguably a gray area, depending on what your definition of mental abuse is. But, but my, 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 my point, my point is this, my point is this parents have the authority here. And if a parent is contextualizing what a child sees, why do I care? I I think you're, I think you're right, and I think maybe maybe a way to think about it is if I'm wrong, y'all tell me. R-rated movie at the movie theater. Right. right? I was going to say the same exact thing. Right. A kid on his own just can't wander in there, but a parent could bring one. You might question whether that's a wise thing for a parent to do or not. Yeah. But the movie theater is not going to stop. Nobody's going to be arrested. Movie theater is not going to the parent from bringing the child in and, you know, other parents, you may get dirty looks from other parents, right. you know, but so the, the yeah, the, I think that's to me, I, this, this is just a, a thing that the government should not be involved in. Let me, uh, Scott, let me ask you a quick question. What was the first R rated movie you saw before in a theater before you were of a nightmare in Elm street part three buzz. Never forget it. Gosh, I don't remember. We, I mean, I had, I had pretty, pretty strictly religious parents. So, might have been Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, you were like 25 years old. No, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, that's that's, I, that's I, probably I, what it was. I think, how, wait, what year did Braveheart come out? It was like 93 or 94? 1995. 95. Yeah. I was in high school, so you had to be at least in college. 
I was married. Oh yeah. my God! Uh, my 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 dad was. Buzz blew his chance, man. He should have said something like the down asked. under. I mean, you asked. Did, did the they, Little Mermaid. Did, did, did they not let you go to R-rated movies down at Bob Jones University or Pensacola Christian College? Did, did I go to Bob Jones? University? Did you have Come Did on. you have to sign something saying you wouldn't go see R-rated movies? No. I mean, there, my, too my much dad, flesh being was... shown. Too much flesh being shown in The Little Mermaid. She's wearing <laughs> seashells for a bra. That's too much for Buzz. Well, we can't well, allow him I mean, to go wait, see the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. <laughs> the Little Mermaid is the worst. If, okay, okay. You, dad, as a dad of daughters, let me tell you, the Little Mermaid is the worst. She catches a <laughs> glimpse of some guy and threatens her dad's entire kingdom to get to get to that guy. It, it's horrible, terrible. No, no, no daughter should ever see the Little Mermaid. It's the worst. My dad took me to see. He wa- he 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 wasted. It should be rated R. My dad wasted my first R-rated movie on me. I was probably I was probably ten or eleven. He took me to see White Men Can't Jump. Well, um, but that's a memory you have with your dad. It can't be a bad thing. I, I guess that was a terrible movie. But anyway, all right. So the the most important prediction, the most important prediction you guys can make. The Braves are currently down one game to nothing against the Philadelphia Phillies. Like I have a friend of mine who is current, who's a Phillies fan, me because we're we are in this this heated matchup. He's also still angry over last year because we the Phillies out of, out of the water, especially at the end of the season. Do the Braves go on to the National League Championship Series? Buzz Scott. Yes, I think I'm it'll the- be it'll be a a tight match up between them because they still have a couple of really good pitchers to go through on the Padres staff. They, the Phillies, I'm sorry, Aaron Nola is still out there. Sorry, I misspoke, but yeah, I think, I think they'll be, they'll be in it against the, the Dodgers. That's my prediction. I'm going to say we don't make it. No. Yeah. I'm going to really? say, we, I'm going to say we don't make it with the wow. Kyle Wright and Strider coming in for the next two starts. Well, you gotta remember Strider's a little cold. He, he was hurt at the, he was hurt at the end of the season. They withheld him from his last start or two. So he's coming in cold. He hasn't pitched in a while. It's just, it, you know, he's, it's his first real start. His first starts in the playoffs. He, I can't remember if he pitched in relief yes. last year or not. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Braves win tonight because the game unfortunately delayed, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win the night because Kyle Wright has been very effective. Then he won, didn't he? Um, games. Yep. So he's the first 20 something game winner, but, but I do. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna struggle, and I feel he's will beat us three games to one or three games to two. So wow, yeah. I mean, wow. you guys also know I'm like per, I'm like perpetually pessimistic about everything, including <laughs> including yeah. the the ability of, of of Atlanta sports teams to perform well in in tough situations. Last year was the greatest year of my a fairly typical Atlanta sports fan who <laughs> has been jaded by years of failure, which is actually pretty darn good. A bunch of pretty darn teams good teams that just underperform that's correct yeah but um, I, I don't but if we're making predictions about baseball I, I the Dodgers are like probably the best team I've ever seen in my life like the team they have assembled there is yeah God squad and I think I think that there is no other team in baseball that's going to come close to touching the quality of the team they put on the field throughout the playoffs. I think the, the World Series I, winners are going to be the dog. No, I agree. Astros are pretty. Astros are pretty darn good too. But, so but I think that yeah, I think the Astros could give the uh, run for the money. I don't you don't you just want to see the Astros lose again, just because? <laughs> I'd like to see the well, Mariners. Well, yeah, but but if, but uh, but Dusty Baker, man, it, it would be nice for Dusty to get. A World no Series one. ring, that, and if it's not as long as, as long no as it's one. not against the Braves, 
Uh, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of with Buzz on this. That, that, you know, the man, the man's been in baseball for, I mean, what? He's what is he like? Oh. He's pushing eighty, man. He's been in baseball yeah. for sixty. Yeah, and he's. I'm sure he's paying player, penance for some past great wrong. Manager. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for the podcast. Scott is going to give us news uh, to our patreons if you would like to become a patreon of the peach pundit podcast all you need to do to do is go to patreon.com slash peach pundit you can sign up for one of the four tiers you can become a five or ten dollar which have been the two most popular uh, options uh, or you go even higher but as scott will tell you and as i will preempt him by saying all that money that is done through patreon goes right back into the podcast we don't pocket that money we we try to pay for the services we use to podcast and if you're listening to this podcast you know i need better audio which uh, i microphone but scott won't you give a thank you to our patreons thank you goes out to ryan graham hunter burnett john vestal brant frost reed powell benjamin hurst and sam thomas we appreciate every single one of these gentlemen who have signed up Tell a friend. If you're listening right now, tell a friend about the podcast. Have them listen, and that will also help as well. So like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications for the Peach Pundit Podcast. Thank you. And anyone who subscribes, we will give you the link to Buzz's OnlyFans account. At the $250 level, yes. Yes. $250 level. Yes. Yes. It's not pretty, folks. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this week.